0: Welcome to the Isle of Horror Rental, delivering you all of your devilish delights, one tape at a time. I'm Jake Dalby, along with my co-founder, partner in crime, Parker Reed. Parker, how are you doing today?
1: Ah, uh, Jake, I'm doing fine. Um, jeez, oh, the, these shoes are getting worn out, Jake. Um, and, you know, I just I'm crouched down organizing our religious dinosaur section, and it's
0: it's really wearing down on them. That's the one where we just got the newest copy of Velocipastor in, correct? Yeah, uh, Yes, we have it on DVD, and uh, that's it. <laughs> one of our rare DVD selections, but honestly, if we're only going to have one DVD in the store, I feel like it has to be that. Here's the thing.
1: like We have to identify, to survive in the year 2020 as a video store, we have to identify our, uh, who's looking for physical products. And I know religious
0: dinosaur fans own DVD players. Look, you got to adapt. And speaking of adapting... Uh, you know, we've been putting in a lot of effort to uh, rearranging our store. I think it's really important that when you walk into a rental store, especially a horror themed rental store, uh, you know exactly where you want to go. You know, if you're looking for your dinosaur themed religious movies, you know where you got to walk. You know, if you're looking for your gore fest, you know, they're in the back behind the curtain. Right. So uh, we've been putting a lot of time and effort to thinking about the layout of our store. Uh, but Parker, besides the religious dinosaur section, is there any other section in the store you'd like to highlight? uh yes actually um what i was just working on before this was our um
1: musical fast food uh horror uh, section uh right now we have poultry geist and um i'm waiting on some other ones right now too
0: yeah i feel like that's a bit of an untapped genre so hopefully we'll get a couple more in there you know really right now i'm leaning towards the um pretentious slow burn section uh it's, it's, it's in the back to the left kind of near the curtain section um the great thing about them is they're about two and a half hours long uh, act as a really great sedative if you're tired, and if you were able to make it through all the way to the last 20 minutes, because we we all know that's the only time that anything happens in those movies. Uh, you can brag to your friends that you understand the really deep themes and messages that are found in here, and frankly, they're just too dumb to understand. Right, we always know who's smart because they pick up the witch. And Jake, we
1: actually have a, uh, looks like Stephanie's coming and returning something. Have a good night. She, uh, what is this? One of our six loyal customers.
0: Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. A very interesting selection. Gotta be honest, I didn't expect her to get that. I believe last week she got Evil Dead for the third time. So it's a bit of a shock to me. Right, Jake. I haven't uh, heard good things about Blair Witch 2, but I've actually never seen it. Honestly, I've heard nothing but awful things. And to be honest, I haven't seen it either. But uh, I think while we're putting up the rest of those signs in the back, we can maybe let it spin over the TVs. What do you think?
1: I think so. I think we'll be good to go.
0: By Parker, and that was Blair Witch 2 Book of Shadows or Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2. The title really makes no sense, and we'll get into why uh, it is that way in just a little bit. But, uh, Parker, gotta be honest, uh, this is a pretty interesting movie. Um, in a lot of ways, it's definitely one of the worst horror movies I've probably ever seen. And in a lot of ways, I gotta admire what they attempted to do and what is ultimately on screen. Um, so, I I guess just off the bat, what were your impressions or your thoughts,
1: Jake? Uh, Book of Shadows: colon, Blair Witch Two is um, it's one of the more daring sequels. It's one of the riskiest sequels I've I've ever seen. Uh, y- you know, in terms of you know the safe route would have been a follow up found footage where uh, you know they probably upped the violence a little bit. Uh, you know, they probably add a little bit more lore, probably more characters to die. You know, kind of what we see these days. But um, I don't know. I, I think they had a really big scope, and you can almost see it in the um, in the budget because the budget for the original was only uh, you know estimated at max a half million dollars. Uh, the budget for this movie was fifteen million dollars. So I mean, they were ready to go all out, and they were ready to. The, you know, soak this in meta commentary.
0: Yeah. And so for the uninitiated, Blair Witch 2 is not found footage. Um the first ten minutes does contain interviews, but the rest of the movie, like I said, is not found footage. Um we follow a group of uh basically fans of the movie. Uh, a lot of the movie's commentary is about fandoms and, and just kind of looking at the Blair Witch uh and the cultural um, impact that it had. Um, So we see a bunch of fans kind of descending upon the town of Burkittsville. Uh, One of the local residents, Jeff, runs a Blair Witch tour company, um, which basically takes them out into the woods of Burkittsville over to Rustin Parr's uh, house or the remains of what is there. And uh, pretty much he takes people out there to spend the night and try to see ghosts. Uh, So we see him and a group of students go out there for an entire night. They party it up, and in the morning, they find that basically everything they have has been ravaged. They can't remember what happened. They're having hallucinations. Um, Several of the members have stick men kind of tattoo or burnings on their body. Um, And so in order to try to figure out what happened, they head back to Jeff's house, and they start to unravel the mystery of the night through a series of videotapes capturing um, basically – what actually happened during that night um Parker one of the most interesting things I think about the movie and the thing that I noticed first is the tone of the movie because it feels very very different from the original I think the first 10 minutes of this movie is honestly at times kind of funny based on what some of the residents are saying like I think uh one of them says something like uh I was gonna go see the Blair Witch but then I ended up in the hospital and then I watched it 18 times after like it's just super <laughs> blunt and like do the point and That combined with some of the opening uh, shots within the hospital and inside the asylum, where there's a lot of Dutch angles, a lot of wide-angle lens, a lot of weird zoom-ins that makes people's faces look kind of distorted. It's kind of a weird fever dream of about 10 to 15 minutes before we actually get the title sequence and we start to understand what the movie is about. Um, So from that perspective, it really hits you over the head with the fact that this is completely different and it's its own animal.
1: Right. It really wants, it really wants everyone to remember that this was a big deal. Like this, this movie that it's a sequel to is a big deal. Right. And you know, I, you know, what's funny about this movie is that the first third or so, I think this movie actually has a really distinct three act structure in terms of Uh, Almost every exactly 30 minutes, the movie moves on to a new uh, segment. Uh, You know, the first uh, 30 minutes is basically, like you said, that kind of um, is basically kind of that, you know, what am I trying to say? Like them embarking onto this trip and becoming a group. And the second act is kind of them kind of you know sitting around trying to figure it out and the third act is kind of the descent into mag- madness and conclusion and jake i actually don't mind i di- actually didn't mind the first third of this movie uh which is weird because it's i don't know it's it's strange because yes like you said it is way more in your face and you can tell just by the music selection they choose a lot of hard rock a lot of like almost industrial rock choices and um it's simultaneously very early 2000s but also the first one was released just a year
0: before if i had to choose i would actually say the first third of it is pretty insufferable to me Hmm. and the ending 30 minutes or so is when the movie kind of starts to redeem itself Um, only because it feels like it starts to commit to its own rules and commit to its own aesthetics near the end Um, whereas the beginning to me like i said it feels really fever dreamy to where Um, the editing is just it's it's all over the place we're getting flashbacks we're getting flash forwards we're getting uh these intercut scenes of campers just being slaughtered which uh we don't really understand the context of any of that until the very end of the movie and therefore it's extremely disorienting which i think to an extent is kind of the purpose of the movie and we'll get to that in a little bit but i just couldn't get behind the character's or really anything that was going on for so long, because I was just literally so confused about what was happening, what these characters motivations were, why they were so kind of stereotypical two thousands teenagers. We were watching and like the minute the Marilyn Manson music came on at the title sequence, I was like, Holy shit, this is the most two thousands thing I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And it it really does feel like a two thousands music video for a lot of it. Super fast editing, uh, really kind of weird effects. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know. I I, I think the end, it started to redeem itself because I think that's where some of the more psychological thriller aspects of the movie came in. But the beginning just felt like a bit of a mess. And here's the thing, Jake. I think we can kind of... I think that there is objectively
1: an interesting movie hidden within Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2. Uh, It's just buried uh under nonsensical editing nonsensical structure annoying editing choices
0: yeah and i think it's kind of tough for us to really talk about this movie without getting into the details of I i would say the more interesting details of the movie including studio tampering as well as the film's really weird insistence on being meta so i think we should maybe go talk about that for a little bit absolutely they came back from coffin rock and ripped us off ripped <laughs> these things look like they were bit off uh, I, what am i gonna do all right partner so as i mentioned uh the blair witch 2 is kind of infamously known for just how much uh the studio artisan uh entertainment uh basically meddled with their product uh from what I understand, the original movie was supposed to be a bit of a psychological thriller where by the end, you aren't sure if what you saw on screen really happened or if most of it was in the character's mind. And I think the thing that encapsulates that the best is the idea of S-Rever or um, s um, which is reverse spelled backwards. And it's a really super interesting concept that i didn't notice or realize until after the movie was over and i kind of started reading more about it reading about the dvd release of the movie um but essentially throughout the entire flick um there's pretty much many hints that are put in the background pretty much subliminal messages kind of like in uh, cloverfield or fight club that for the most part on your first watch you're probably not going to notice uh shadows of stick men, uh, words being written in the background of scenes. Um, There's an entire section near the end where a character speaks in reverse. And if you were to reverse the tape or the DVD or whatever you're watching, um, you can actually hear a real sentence. And then if you were to essentially decode what the movie is trying to tell you, um, you would get a sentence uh, which says, seek me no further on the Blair Witch 2's website. And so, essentially, a lot like the first movie, they were trying to go for this, um, I mean, A, obviously viral marketing, but B, they were trying to go for something that would sort of mess with your head of, is this real? Is this happening? Is there a witch? Or once again, just like in the first movie, is this all in the character's head and something else is going on?
1: Right, and um, it's cool. Like I, I think it's all interesting ideas, and I think the primary issue with the film besides you know like you said kind of studio meddling uh studio interference is just over engineering itself um like i think if the movie were effective on its own it wouldn't need this kind of scavenger hunt
0: you know yeah and i think it helps to kind of know that a lot of the stuff that ellie said i had a problem with it sounds like were additions made by the studio last minute without the um, director's consent. So for example, um, most of the scenes of violence, apparently the original movie really wasn't supposed to be violent at all. Um, the scenes where you see the, um, the campers being killed, uh, that wasn't in the original cut of the movie. Um, they added the Marilyn Manson song at the beginning. It was supposed to be a Frank Sinatra song originally. The asylum scenes at the beginning with Jeff were also never in there and a lot of the movie was just recut into something else which explains why the movie just feels so sporadic and also why it feels at times so generic like uh later on there's uh i believe jeff keeps having these visions of a like a dead girl or i mean it looks like something out of the conjuring but like 10 times more generic Mm -hmm. and like that i think as a whole is. I think that kind of sums up the worst part of this movie is that at its worst, it is gotta be one of the most generic early 2000s kind of slasher-esque horror movies I've ever seen. Like, I I feel like while watching it, it feels along the lines of like a house of wax or kind of like Halloween resurrection kept coming to mind just the way it was shot and some of the dialogue and some of the acting. Um, it just feels really corny. But as you were mentioning, there is a Structure here that could be super interesting and basically like a meta commentary on the cultural impact of the Blair Witch while also making a really cool psychological thriller.
1: Right. I think the idea of <clears throat> existing in a world where the movie exists, uh, trying to investigate it and then being like influenced by the Blair Witch is kind of interesting, actually. Uh, and when I kind of think about the the like skeleton plot, I don't think it's a terrible idea. Um, because once again, I do think, uh, especially if something like that, if they would have gone with like a safe sequel, I mean, I don't know what more they could have done. I guess we'll find out, uh, next week with the uh, Blair Witch uh, 2016. But you know, Jake, I think besides being over engineered, uh, what leads to a lot of Downfalls in this is when they choose to like, uh, kind of give specific information, and also, like you said, kind of the kind of the visuals. Characters are having like these hallucinations throughout. Uh, you know, at one point, uh, Kim kind of like walks upstairs and sees Jeff like in a in a in an electric chair. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. which which obviously is supposed to be a hallucination, but it's such a cheap sort of, you know, it's it's such a cheap, like annoying almost representation of a hallucination.
0: Yeah. And, and that's kind of throughout, I think a lot of the middle portion is there's just these really weird, like it almost feels like you're walking through a really cheaply made haunted house. Um, mm-hmm. There's an entire section where um, Kim, the, um, the the goth girl is going to get beer and she's walking around the store and like people are just acting like cartoonishly <laughs> mean or weird around her and again like when you look at a whole at what they were trying to do of making this uh, sort of mind game of like uh, in the characters heads this is happening but in real life is this happening like seeing it through that lens it kind of makes sense like these uh like the people at that convenience store are being weird because in the character's mind, she's slowly going insane. But again, the way that the film presents its plot and its details doesn't give you enough information to really discern that until you really get to the final, um, uh, to the final plot twist. Because up until that point, uh, the plot points just, they're all over the place. I mean, we go from uh, where they go back to Jeff's place and they're looking at the tapes to um, Tristan gets, a miscarriage just like kind of out of nowhere. And there's a weird like hallucination of her with a baby um in the river of the woods where the Blair Witch Project was filmed. Um, there's like this whole section with a bridge collapse near the end. It's just, it is so shoddily edited together that it really makes it hard to keep up with the movie. And therefore when you do get a scare or you do get something that's relatively kind of spooky, it just feels kind of slapped on and you don't get that um, effective buildup that you would in another
1: movie. Right. I think this actually could have been like an interesting um, movie if they would would have made a choice to like have the five people and, you know, people because people are constantly like leaving the room, like being disengaged. I think this could have been interesting if it was, uh, almost like a one-shot movie, maybe where like everyone's in this. Besides, maybe like the introduction, and then once they get into this house, it would be interesting if all five people just stayed in there for the entire time. So it's less clear if things are weird or not. Because as it is, you kind of get um, uh, you kind of get these clips of going back to like uh, the news reporters with the sheriff calling Jeff. Uh, About the murders of the tourists and, uh, you know, Tristan going to the hospital, Kim going to the convenience store, it kind of takes you out of the tension that's happening at the weird like warehouse home that they're at.
0: That's a really good point. Like you could almost frame it in a way kind of like the thing where it's in a single location and people are slowly starting to distrust each other as their psyches break down, as they're starting to question who each other is. Um, I think that's probably my favorite part of the movie is about halfway um, when they kind of are just stuck at Jeff's place and they're starting to like, be like, well, it could be Tristan that's the witch or you know, where's Erica been? She's a Wiccan. And you know, it, like these kind of mind games that they're playing with each other where they're trying to justify what's happening is really interesting. It's just everything else, Kind of makes yeah. zero sense. Um, it also doesn't help that the characters are kind of awful. Um, I read online that the director was trying to basically satirize the types of people that went and saw um, Blair Witch. So Jeff represents kind of the more salesy entrepreneur spirit, spirit where people are trying to exploit the Blair Witch by doing exactly what he does in the movie, selling Stickman, selling selling merch. Um, uh, Erica represents the Wiccan community who were mad about the movie because of the way it represents witchcraft. Um, uh, Kim is sort of the fanatic character, the one who's really obsessed with the movie. And then the um, the other two whose names I honestly kind of forget, uh, Tristan and uh, Steven, uh, are sort of like the intellects who have seen the movie a million times They know everything about it. They're trying to kind of uh, find the deeper meaning. And in that aspect, that's kind of cool. Um, because again, it's a super meta commentary on the movie. And honestly, as, the, as on the genre as a whole, if you look through the movie, there's tons and tons of references to older horror flicks. The problem is based on the editing and everything else that was added to the movie, you would have zero way of knowing that. Um, at least I have no idea how you could possibly figure that out from what is on screen.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, Jake, um, so the so we have the ending of this movie um and i kind, I kind of want to know what you think about the ending because i thought it was pretty the binary what happened but i learned that i guess it's kind of like people kind of discuss what happens at the end so uh so they so erica dies uh i guess we don't know how at the time uh and then Tristan they uh, get uh, Stephen pushes her off of like this scaffolding uh, with a noose and hangs her but it's revealed at the end that they are arrested they're found they're arrested they are brought to an interrogation room at the police station and they're shown tapes that are showing that they committed they committed crimes and killed people uh, and uh, it, Tristan instead of uh, taunting them like they thought that was happening, she was um, actually begging for her life. And so what I what I interpreted that as was uh, they were so insane that they thought they were in the right when actually Erica was actually like pleading for her life. But I've seen another opinion saying that what we saw was true, but the Blair Witch or someone tampered with the tapes or something like that
0: yeah i've seen both of those as well i kind of like to think that it's the former um only because i'm not sure how much evidence they give for the blair Witch tampering with the tapes i know at the end steven as he's like crying and uh you know telling the officers that there's been a mistake i believe he does say something along the lines of like those have been tampered with that's not true i think if Say they were looking at it, and as the cops turn their backs, maybe one of the characters on the videotapes, like, turn their head and, like, winks or smiles or something on camera to show that, like, hmm. I-, I think that's kind of dumb, but, like, it would show that that is obviously what happened. I like to believe more that it's that the spirit of the Blair Witch or, honestly, uh, the lack of a spirit, and it's just kind of them going nuts, um, force them to do these murders, and they just, in their heads, um... Didn't know what was happening. It's kind of like that cliche in movies of like someone and their friend doing all of these uh, uh, activities, and then it's revealed at the end that the person never had a friend. They were just on their own, and they were doing them all by themselves. Right. So, I that's kind of how I like to think of it. My biggest problem with the ending, once again, comes down to the editing because we're shown at the at the beginning um all of the main characters besides Erica and Tristan being interviewed by the police um as well as the fact as throughout we see these little scenes of um we we don't see the main characters but some sort of group of people murdering the other group of um Blair Witch Tourists and so because of that a lot of the tension I think is sort of diminished from the beginning because again we know like obviously Jeff's not gonna die obviously uh you Him didn't do anything. Uh, And so once you get to the end and you see the reveal, I feel like by that time, it's either obvious as to what's happening or the reveal just didn't have a whole lot of impact. I remember watching it and I kind of set up and I was like, oh, that's it. So they just ended up killing some people. Whereas I feel like if the movie was treated more as a slow burn, kind of almost in the vein of like a 12 angry men to where they're, as you're saying, in one room, they're kind of going insane. And then at the very end, we, Realize, like, oh, they went out and did all of these horrible things, and we had no idea. You know, we sympathize with them at the beginning, and then at the end, we realize how much of a monster they are. Um, you know, maybe because they're truly murderers or because the Blair Witch, um, possessed them. You know, it puts a lot of questions in your mind, but I think with what we're given, uh, A, you're not able to make a lot of those questions because everything's kind of told to you, and also it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right?
1: I think, like, um, and you know maybe mainstream horror just wasn't ready for something like that in the year 2000, you know, like maybe, um, you know, I mean, mainstream horror just wasn't like that in the year 2000, right? Like this is so in line, you know, music, video editing, you know, the hard rock stuff, uh, you know, adding violence to, you know, we're kind of in this, um, even though, even though we meme on it, we're kind of lucky that we, we, that major studios are making like artsy or stuff now uh, just just for like just for you know just so everything isn't so damn obnoxious all the time you know
0: yeah and that's a good way to <laughs> describe this movie as obnoxious and i think this movie represents a really interesting pivot in the genre as a whole you know we were going from the 80s where the slasher was king um down to the 90s where i think a lot of that was reinvented by scream you know i I think a lot of this movie probably owes some of its ideas to scream you know especially the idea of meta commentary on the horror genre on its characters on its tropes um also i think in a way you know the sort of ultra violence kind of teen-esque horror movie that we see a lot throughout the 2000s again can be attributed to scream and so we're kind of seeing these two different roads where a lot of the tropes and a lot of things that we saw in the 80s and 90s are starting to die out and you're getting uh these directors who kind of don't know where to go and so i think that's why in the 2000s we see so many remakes you see so many reboots a lot of sequels to old uh classic franchises like texas chainsaw um you know later in the mid 2000s you had for uh nightmare on elm street and friday the 13th so it's just as a whole is a really weird transition period where i feel like a lot of directors were still trying to figure out what the the mood or the vibe of the era was and i think this movie really encapsulates that kind of uh sort of jekyll and hyde identity where on one hand it's trying to just basically be a cheap cash in you know they they show some nudity uh they show some blood on screen there's some you know hot teens and you know they make a buck and then on the other hand you know, they're legitimately trying to make something that is kind of insanely brilliant and really interesting and would give a lot of credit to the audience's intelligence and would really trust the audience to go along with the plot and what they're trying to um, to make commentary on. Right. It's basically like... Um, it's like the studio was given
1: an insightful meta horror flick that they wanted to turn into a generic uh violence-ridden totally like mainstream horror movie
0: and like because you know how like a, a lot of movies will start off as you know they'll start off as a script for something and then they'll get moved into a different franchise in order to make a buck you know cloverfield is pretty well known for this of taking scripts for other movies adding in a couple details and then oh now it's a uh it's a cloverfield movie this feels exactly like that where it feels like it was something completely different and they basically added in the lore added in the nods to the original which to be fair there is a lot this movie does reference the original movie quite a bit and so it in that aspect, it does respect its um, its predecessor, um, but yeah, in in a lot of ways, it just it it feels like a cheap cash in.
1: Unfortunately, uh, this is kind of where, even though we're only on the second entry, this is kind of where the franchise goes off the rails. Um, so now I've absorbed all of the pieces of Blair Witch Media, and like this one, like this is the low even though this is the low point it does get worse like it's it almost like retroactively affects everything that's released after by creating lore that maybe wasn't even meant to exist like like when they're when they're talking about rust Parr par and the first one they aren't like oh yeah this is like some mythical figure in this world you know like it's it's just a guy like you know mm-hmm and this in blair witch 2 takes little details like that uh, and blows them up. It's also kind of like how in this movie they reiterate over and over again how violent the first movie is even though
0: it's ridiculously tame the first one. Oh, yeah, there's there's like not a single drop of blood. And so, what's yeah. And what's interesting about kind of what you brought up there is I think with the original vision for the movie sort of being this satirical take on the impact of the blair witch and maybe kind of sensationalization in media you know the idea of them taking the blair witch and now you have all these you know fanatic people who are pulling out every detail from the movie and who are making their own lore and like you know it happens all the time with like video games you know where people are making expanded books and and all these sorts of things you know and so like in that aspect it kind of makes sense like they're they're commentating on that but again because the movie was meddled with so much and that original vision isn't really there it feels like all of this canon is added for no reason when the original movie it did not need it like i don't need to know you know all this information about rust and Parr. i don't need to know about you know because several times during the movie they reference um i believe it's it was an old lady like back in the 1800s or something or 1900s Who they believe could be the Blair Witch again? I don't care. You don't have to tell me who the Blair Witch could have been. Like I will buy that it's just a ghostly spirit. I don't need to know all of these um, these extra details. And so, yeah, in that aspect, it's a it's a bit overkill.
1: Right, and I think even though it's even though if we're talking like the original idea even though the originals like uh, idea and i'm sure script are pretty interesting on their own it's also inherently flawed because it kind of takes away from what uh made the first one so uh unique
0: yeah and I, we've said it a million times but i gotta give credit that they tried like i can 100 like if you gave me a lot of time I could probably bust out a really mediocre script that basically follows the exact same plot points as the first one, just change a couple characters, and you could probably make a sequel that's almost the exact same thing, and it probably would have done all right, right? But it does sound like at least the director wanted to do something that would push the audience to think a little bit and to kind of go outside of the traditional sequel mold. But again, like you have said, we have to judge what we have on screen and what we have on screen. It just isn't that. It's a complete mess that at its worst is extremely boring and really, really confusing. And at its best is honestly kind of just a mediocre thriller from the early 2000s with the Blair Witch name kind of slapped on here. Because I think for the most part, if you were to take away the Blair Witch elements, the movie wouldn't get any better uh, nor would it get any worse, which I think is just kind of a sign that it itself is just a really bad script
1: Yep um, Yeah, you know this is definitely a subpar flick I don't think it's like there are parts of it that are like embarrassingly terrible but as a whole, I actually think like a nit- is like kind of interesting so uh, i don't think it is like
0: i don't think this is an irredeemable flick is what i'm trying to say no i i would agree that there are some elements that i enjoyed um even though i would say the vast majority of the movie i definitely didn't enjoy but uh parker what do you say we take a look at uh some of the spooks found in this movie yeah absolutely
1: just a few miles from the town of Burkittsville where just hours ago police
0: arrested three obsessed movie fans who allegedly committed a series of ritualistic murders after watching last summer's blockbuster movie the Blair Witch Project. Okay Parker as we mentioned this film I think tries to build itself more as a psychological thriller versus a supernatural horror movie like the first one and so my first question for you is is the film effective at building atmosphere or even in its most basic sense just being scary um
1: i would say no to both of those i think it gets close with atmosphere but once again the little things like the obnoxious editing and effects really detracts from it i don't think this movie i think the attempts to make this movie scary are pretty embarrassing like you know ghost girls disappearing dogs owls flying through windows it's all pretty like standard pg haunted house stuff
0: yeah and like i mean i realize that i mean it's 15 million still isn't a huge budget i mean but that's more than a lot of like blumhouse productions nowadays and the movie looks awful at times i mean there's an entire in the credits there's an entire group dedicated just to the animatronic owl and i swear to god that owl doesn't move the entire movie Except for like one scene where they <laughs> basically yeet it through a window and it just leaves yeah. on the floor. And, and but, it's clear, it's clear they just extended the wings and then two hand <laughs> through it. Yeah. I'm convinced they just gave an intern on set and they're like, just throw this as hard as you can at this window. And ah. that's the owl coming through. But no, I, yeah. I would I would totally agree. Like I, I I think a lot of the movie was very unintentionally funny. Um, but at times I did feel myself Un starting to get a bit of a sense of like okay they're building atmosphere they're building tension um you know as the characters are starting to go a little bit insane but as you mentioned it's every time they leave the house all of that tension is just pulled away you know when kim goes to the convenience store it's just so wacky and it's just so kind of out of nowhere that it takes away all of that tension immediately you know when we see jeff you know in this god awful i mean it's just awful makeup to make him look like he's in the electric chair again like it just makes you feel like what movie are we watching like i mean this is a 15 million dollar sequel to one of the biggest successes of the past you know year and it just baffles me that they weren't even able to make like just the normal scares work and what's funny is like we mentioned how you know a lot of the tropes that are found in the Blair Witch were kind of new for the time well a lot of the things found in like the first 10 minutes of this movie are so cliche it's ridiculous like within the first 10 minutes we get a jump scare of the uh the Blair Witch the opposing Blair Witch to crew you know they're like they hear a noise and then they pop out of nowhere and it's a jump scare and I feel like in that moment I was like okay yeah this movie is going to be your stereotypical 2000s horror movie just with that one scene alone because you really didn't get any of that with the original Blair Witch and so a lot of that subtlety a lot of that tension a lot of that as we mentioned last time you know your mind sort of creating the horror is completely gone also like they get close at times
1: but also sometimes they just so miss the mark like (laughs) like first of all there's this super on the nose it's when they go out. and of course, they go out, and for some reason, they want to get fucking hammered in the middle
0: of this forest. Uh, God, this movie is so scatterbrained. i, <laughs> I that, feel
1: whole, like,
0: that whole like, scene like, makes on a side note. that whole scene like makes no sense because from what I understand, they all met each other like that day. and then they're all like, you guys just want to like get hammered and like prance around the woods. like it it's it, it happens within like five minutes. Right. So they go out, they
1: wake up and all of their uh, documents are shredded, which is fine, but all which is, you know, is part of the story. But also like all of the positions they're sleeping in don't make logical sense. Like some of them would be like sleeping next to each other. Right. Like they're all like evenly spaced out around. And then also just one of the most embarrassing uses of music is when they use the Queens of the Stone Age song (laughs) that that like says what? Vicodin and marijuana alcohol is not that embarrassing that's that's during the party sequence isn't it right and it's like uh, yeah but what they don't know is that totally misses
0: like the point of that song exactly it that's in that aspect like that feels like exactly what the 2000s it's like I always think of like to Freddy versus Jason and how like there's like these random scenes of like you know, nudity or like kids partying. And I get that that's, again, it's it's part of like the trope of the genre. But again, like they're just in there because that was sort of the excess of the 2000s, this sort of obnoxious music video-esque type of editing and filming. And like, yeah, you mentioned there, like that scene just pretty much sums it all up.
1: God, what a weird movie.
0: That's the ultimate thing I can I can say about it. It feels weird and it almost feels dreamlike at times which I again I think is intentional but the whole movie just feels like you're thinking constantly like what am I watching what is going on it's really confusing the constant flashbacks and flash forwards are just they're unsettling but not in like a scary way just because your brain is trying to constantly wrap its head around where are we at in the story what are these characters doing you get <laughs> zero time to really understand or care about any of the characters. So when scary shit starts to happen, it just makes no sense. I remember like when Tristan had her miscarriage, that's supposed to be a big thing. I was like, didn't they literally establish she was pregnant in like eight seconds in one random conversation that her and Kim had? And she somehow somehow knows she's pregnant or something like that, even though she looks like no more than like three days pregnant. Yeah, that like, I don't know. It's just... It's just, like, all
1: these little things. There's that scene where, like, they hallucinate again and Kim is, like, eating the owl raw. And it mm. cuts back and she's just eating, like,
0: a fried chicken or whatever. Like, I don't know. It's really bad. That scene in particular I read was supposed to be uh, an homage to night of the living dead um as well as the scene where erica's naked and she's kind of prancing around a tree it's supposed to be an homage to evil dead and that stuff's cool and again in the original concept what the director had which is you know a commentary on the horror genre that makes a lot of sense as to why those are in there but in what we have here it just makes zero sense because again as an audience member i mean we, we we've seen a lot of horror movies right and i would have never picked that up in a million years and so in this context it just seems really really stupid and a lot of these sort of elements that are supposed to be freaky are supposed to be disorienting end up just coming across as really really cheap uh you know amusement park level uh haunted house scares
1: right and you bring up this you bring up this moment uh where that actually could have been a pretty good reveal where they're watching the tapes and they're like oh what is this like there are a couple frames of a woman dancing around a tree And they realize it's Erica, but where that could have been, like, a really interesting, like, they kind of mention that, you know, she's a witch or a self-described witch or whatever, but they don't, they basically just get mad at her and, like, storm out or, like, you know, and that's kind of what leads Erica to go insane. But, like, it wouldn't have been interesting if, like, they made that reveal way more dramatic and, like, made the reactions way more... Gosh. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah. I, I see what you're saying there, because it, it is weird because they sort of just like see that and they're like, can you fast forward? And the guy's like, yeah, I can fast forward as they're like literally seeing a ghost in front of them on the screen. And they're just like, yeah, that's that's really weird. Erica, can you explain that? And she's like, no, no, I can't. It's weird. And like, that's their reaction. I mean, it gets a lot more intense near the end, but like for the most part, it just feels like they're like, oh, yeah, they're like another day, another walk in the park. Like This happens all the time to us. Well, anyway, as we do with every movie on this podcast, we like to look at the legacy of the film we've reviewed. You know, does it hold up? How was it received at the time? So let's go ahead and look and see just how bad the critics blasted this movie back in 2000.
1: Sadly, as has happened so many times before in this country, violent art has inspired real-life violence. In this case, it's the Blair Witch Project.
0: As mentioned, Blair Witch 2 was not exactly a critical or financial success. Um, It holds up 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I pulled a couple of critics' reviews uh, from back in the day just to get kind of a sense of what people were thinking. Um, So this person said, Missing from the mix are any characters with whom you'd want to spend one minute around a campfire. The next one said, and this was actually a positive review, it's better made than the original. I would beg to differ. And its writing contains a subtlety and wit that the original film lacked. Again, would highly disagree with that. Um, This one said, it at least aims for different uh, and something that pays tribute to the first film more than anything. And finally, the dialogue is brutal, to the point of cringing in many a scene, and then it gets far too expository to take it seriously. So, uh, yeah, we're not hallucinating here. Uh, It was not perceived well back in the day, Um, but I guess what I wanted to ask you, Parker, is I feel like this movie is the perfect uh, type of film to have a cult following, you know, 10 20 years later especially given the history behind the movie with its studio interference you know i've heard a lot of fans want a director's cut of this movie and i guess you know if a director's cut were to come out where a lot of scenes were added back in the editing made a lot more sense you know uh, uh, basically there was more of a clear direction is that something that you would be interesting in interested in and do you think it would help maybe the legacy of the film overall
1: I think it's a lost cause. I don't think this is something that's going to get like, I I mean, I don't think, I don't know. Like I see some people on sites like Letterboxd, like uh, the the horror Reddit. I see some people kind of defend it a little bit, but I just don't think that there's like a lot of uh, goodwill toward this movie. And I don't know if 20 years after, if a, um, if a director's cut would change things enough that people would be like, <sighs> like, how do I, like, I don't think when the director's cut would come out, people would be like, whoa, Blair Witch 2 Book of Shadows is actually better than the original. I don't see a reality where that exists. So in my mind, it's like, mm. no,
0: No, I, I totally agree. And what I think a lot of people fail, I should say, those who believe the movie is kind of misunderstood or is actually kind of a gem because I did find plenty of people online who said that is that I feel like a lot of the elements here are just objectively not good on their own. I think the acting is very mixed across the board. I think some people do an okay job. Like I think Jeff, the actor who plays Jeff um, he does okay at times other times it feels like he's playing in like the OC or one tree Hill. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, other people like Kim and erica i mean very kind of hammy performances um you know i don't think the direction as a whole is really all that interesting i don't think the cinematography is all that interesting like for the most part i think it's a pretty boring movie to look at and so i feel like with those elements in place i don't think a director's cut or a sort of uh, fixing of the movie would actually make it more interesting i think the idea that the director had and sort of what he was going for is super interesting but again It's not there at all. And I think one of the more interesting comparisons that I saw online is people were saying that this is sort of the Halloween three of the two thousands in that um, a lot of people hated it when it came out. And then after a while, people started to love it. Um, I would personally really, really disagree with that. I think Halloween three is objectively a really well-made movie. And it's a really interesting horror movie that was, not liked because of its ties to the Halloween series. Not necessarily because of the content of the movie, whereas I feel like people don't like Blair Witch 2 because it's a shitty movie.
1: Right. And I mean, I feel like I can speak to this because I've watched both of those movies within the last week, and the difference is uh, Halloween 3 doesn't need help to be good. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's clear that people didn't like the movie because it is like An outlier. It's it's the easy one to dismiss, right? Whereas in a sense, Blair Witch 2 also is, but also not. You know, it's so intrinsically tied to the original.
0: It's it literally in its DNA. Yeah, absolutely. I I think if you were, I know I mentioned it earlier, but I think if you were to take away the Blair Witch references and, you know, Blair Witch from the title itself, uh, it would just make the movie way less interesting than it already is. It kind of does need that name. Whereas Halloween, like it's literally called Halloween because it was supposed to continue the series into more of an anthology um direction. It didn't wasn't actually supposed to have anything to do with, you know, Michael Myers, the rest of the series. So again, the fact that it can stand on its own versus Blair Witch, which definitely it cannot stand on its own and, and I would say doesn't really have a legacy. I would say the really only legacy the film has Is it's studio interference and the fact that today that still happens all the time, and I think that happens quite a bit with horror movies, especially with those who need to be cut and edited for um for rating. Um, you know, so besides that, I would say, you know, I would also say that it's a movie that I would say, unlike the first movie, I do feel like this movie could improve with multiple viewings. I mentioned in the last podcast that I don't think the Blair Witch is i think for multiple viewings because i just think the enjoyment and a lot of the tension isn't as um intense the second or third time around whereas i feel like this movie i could find maybe some things or little nuggets you know the fact that there's all of the um uh subliminal hidden messages throughout the movie like i do think in that aspect it (laughs) maybe beats out the original only in replayability but that's about it
1: yeah, I don't think this movie has a, le- you know, uh, considering you brought up Halloween three. I think Halloween three's legacy is that it was misunderstood, and whether you think it's great or not, people think uh, at least, um, I de- or accept that it is uh, was unfairly rated. I don't think the same is true with Blair Witch uh, two.
0: I would absolutely agree. What is your problem? You're with the witch people, lady. I'm just here to buy groceries. Witch! And once again, that was Blair Witch to Book of Shadows. Oddly enough, and we didn't mention it yet, uh, there is no Book of Shadows at all in this movie. Uh, That was just added last minute because, and I think that uh, pretty much sums up the movie. Not the worst thing we've ever seen, um, but, you know, we probably could have Kept ourselves entertained better while putting up these banners in the back. So uh, maybe it's time we put this movie in our three for one trash section. What do you think, Parker?
1: Absolutely. You know, even though we meme on uh, movies like A A twenty four offerings, those even though we joke, those are full a lot or a lot of them are full experiences. Whereas this was unsatisfying in many ways.
0: Absolutely. I definitely could have taken my hour and a half back.
1: I could have watched The Witch.
0: We could have. We could literally start that right now, and i probably have a much better time in just 10 minutes.
1: Now, don't get too far. You'd have to wait at least uh, 80 minutes.
0: That's true. It is in the uh, slow burn pretentious section for a reason. Well, once again, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, You know, as we start to get more customers, uh, we'll be sure to have even more reviews coming as we're getting more returns in. Um, but if you want to become a member, uh, we weren't able to print business cards in time, as you know this moving process was uh, pretty fast and furious. But you can definitely become a member by following us on social media at Isle of Horror on Twitter and Instagram. That's where you can keep up with all of our latest rentals, our store updates, our show updates, uh, really everything else. Um, we'll be posting some new content there in the next couple of weeks. You can also follow us on Letterbox. I'm at Jake Dalby. That's Jake D A L B E Y. Parker
1: you can follow me at PK Read
0: P-K-R-E-E-D anything else you want to add in Parker
1: Jake I am um, I'm looking forward to next week checking out uh, Blair Witch uh, the sequel slash pseudo reboot from 2016
0: I'm sure it's going to be every bit as awful as I expect it to be
1: Re- really now this is a movie I have seen before
0: Hey, I'm I'm ready to have my mind changed. <laughs> well, I won't say anything. Once again, thank you for joining us and as always, be kind, rewind. We'd really appreciate it.